I'm calling today's message Food That You Don't Know About. Jesus had been sitting beside a well talking to a very preoccupied and unhappy and unfulfilled Samaritan woman about giving her the living water of the Holy Spirit. And the words he spoke to her changed her life, changed her life forever. His disciples, they'd become hungry and they'd gone into the township to get something for them all to eat. They returned with some food for Jesus and offered it to him. And we read in John 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Jesus didn't say, my duty is to do the will of him who sent me. He said that doing the will of the Father was the energy that sustained and strengthened him. Now Jesus carried many enormous burdens of responsibility and these were things that he did to do the Father's loving will for people. He also had to absorb the discouraging activity of other people's negative remarks and attitudes and resistance towards him and his teaching. And he needed more than just willpower. He needed energy from somewhere to fulfil those demands. And how strange it is that the doing of his father's will was what both took his energy and what gave him energy. It had to belong to a different energy system that we usually operate from. He said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Now Jesus knew full well about that food and he lived within the energy that it gave to him. It was spiritual food. It was supernatural food. It came from the heart of the Father. It was the Father's love for him. The way it worked was that Jesus felt energised and supported by the same energy that created the universe. God is love. Out of his love, he created the universe and created us. It wasn't just a project. What will I do next? It was God being God, being love. And that energised Jesus. That energy never runs out. It is a loop system that feeds itself because it is eternal, not natural. Even though to Jesus it would have seemed natural because of the perfect love that existed between himself and the Father and the Holy Spirit who sheds that love abroad in us. This was the Christ energy food that humanity had never known before Jesus arrived on the earth. This was the energy food of God's love that allowed Jesus to bear the burdens of a suffering humanity. Even in today's world, we see how love motivates people to carry the burdens of others. 
But we're talking about perfect love from God that created the universe and us to carry everything lovingly without complaint. Now, Paul, he knew the source of this Christ energy to serve others. And he writes to us about it in Galatians chapter 2. And he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is the life of Christ, the energy of Christ, the heart of Christ, the motivation of Christ to do the will of the Father, to bring his love to his people. Paul also tells us that this is what compelled and motivated his own faithful service and ministry to the Lord, which went out to the people he was sent to serve. Each one of us has people in our world. So the people that Paul was sent to serve includes us because we ended up in his world because of the inspired word of scripture that we're reading now, that we live in, through which we get revelation. That was inspired by the love of God. And Paul did that, caused him great stress, expended great energy, but that was his food the love of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, he speaks about it in regards to himself. He says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we now see things this way, that if one died for all, then all have died. So he's seeing the majesty and the wonder, the expanse of the love of God, the love of Jesus who died for all of mankind. God so loved the world that he sent his only son to do that for all of mankind. But then Paul goes a bit further. He died for all. All have died. And he died for all so that those who now live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So his offering the energy, the food that he ate, that he lived from. That's Paul. Now, we need the provision of this spiritual food that nourishes our hearts and souls as we share in the supernatural work of the doing of God's good will to others. The powerful energy of God's love through us to others feeds and strengthens our souls and even our bodies as well. This powerful energy of God's love lifts the burdens of suffering and shame and guilt from other people in our world of relationship and involvement. However large or small that world is, that's God's love, his new covenant love. This is not like normal food or fast food. It is everlasting food. And we're going to be having communion this morning. So I'd like to just speak about Jesus speaking to the Jews who were crowding around him and his disciples, listening to him teach. And he said to them in John chapter 6, verse 27, Do not labour for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Some in the crowd argued that Moses gave their forefathers manna, the bread from heaven that they ate in the wilderness. Wasn't that supernatural? 
Jesus then said to them, Moses did not give the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That was supernatural food. And Jesus crowned it by saying, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my body, my flesh. Same word in the Greek language. Sarx means body and flesh. Depends on the context. And that can sometimes be confusing, but you can use both. So this is the bread that I will give. It's my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. His message was that the manna from heaven, that their forefathers ate, didn't last. But if they partook of him spiritually as their bread of life, they would experience everlasting life. It's not just when will you go to heaven one day. They will start to live a life that sustains and energises them in this journey on the earth. Then later in the conversation, he said down in verse 63 of that same chapter in John, the spirit alone gives eternal life. The flesh profits nothing or human effort accomplishes nothing. And the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. We can receive that Christ energy food of God's love that energises. First of all, it energises us to carry our own burdens for ourselves. Come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. But it also energises us to carry the burdens that we do for others, to fulfil the law of Christ. Just in the same way that Jesus received and lived in the everlasting love of the Father. Nothing has changed. We do what he did. He didn't say, oh, well, that was for me. But for you guys, I just want you to work hard, just do the stuff, and I'll see you in heaven. No, 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 no. This is a gospel, a supernatural work of God to overcome the world. Jesus plainly tells us that the spirit alone gives everlasting life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. So doing the will of the Father in completing his work of loving service to others is not an effort of the human will alone. You're transmitting and conveying the will of the Father, the good will of the Father to his people. And then some, then through Jesus who is in you, and to the people in your world. That's all you have to do. Do you have to fix them up? No. Do you have to tell them that they've got to get rid of that sin in their life? Well, tell them that the Holy Spirit will show them what is in their life that needs changing. By all means, help people to become aware of what's separating them from God. By all means, we talk about sin. I mean, we say, let's be aware of how we might be falling short of the mark and come closer to God so that we can live more in the fullness of his life and not disqualify ourselves because we, don't, uh, we can't get too close to God. We're not worthy. God says, no, no. Yeah, be honest, look at yourself, but realise you've been forgiven and you've got mercy now. Come closer. I mean, I'm reminded of Peter the Apostle. 
who said, depart from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. And the Lord's thinking, come on, Peter. And so Peter failed the Lord, and then he meets him after the resurrection, Jesus is on the earth, and they've gone fishing, and Peter jumps out of the boat. He sees Jesus on the seashore. He swims in and comes and sits on the seashore. He looks at Jesus, and he's probably thinking, I know you're going to blame me for denying you, and I'm just here to tell you I'm sorry. It doesn't, it's not said in the scripture, but Jesus was think, looking at Peter and thinking, we're not going to talk about that rubbish that you carried on with Peter. We're not here to talk about that. And you think, oh, I know, Jesus is going to say, the Father loves you, Peter. No. He said, Peter, do you love me? Now, what kind of a love is that? I mean, a sinner comes along and says, don't come near me. And the Father says, well, come on, one more step. No, Lord, and God's steps are bigger than our steps backwards. His steps forward are bigger. And he just says, stop all this rubbish. Come here. And he gives us a hug. Let's talk about me loving you and you loving me. And now we can love the world. And then something can be changed. Okay. So I just said it's not just an effort of the human will alone. But when we desire to do the will of the Father, we have to engage our will somewhere and to choose to faithfully do his will as best we can. There are people with needs in our world and we just step into it. You don't wait for a revelation from God for his love to start helping the people in your world. You do it. We do it as best we can. We become faithful in putting natural things in order in our lives and he gives us authority in bringing spiritual things into order. He honours your natural efforts, but he wants to authorise you for the spiritual work that transforms lives. So his kingdom order is always at work. He's always reordering something, whatever situation you're in. And you think, I don't know what's going on now. Why did this silly thing happen to me? And why did that terrible thing happen to that person? I hope I can help them. And if you could just hear the whisper behind the scenes, maybe the angels would be whispering to one another. Or the Father is reordering that situation into the kingdom of God. Oh yes, he's always doing that, isn't he? Yes, that's his ongoing purpose with his people, to reorder everything, to bring all things together for good. That's my faith in God. Nothing's a waste of time. Even if it is a waste of time, as far as I'm concerned, I say, God, you're reordering something here. My attitude of being grateful that while I'm here feeling perhaps pretty useless, not doing anything, you are reordering things in my world and you let your mind go to the people in your world. You say, thank you, Lord. Thank you here. Thank you there. So when we desire to do the will of the Father, we engage by being on the front foot to be there for him. And he knows, he sees our heart because it's God's will we're seeking and it's God's love that we're seeking to reveal. No matter how incompletely we yet see this being accomplished. You can't say, well, I've passed that test now. I'm moving totally in the love of God. Well, we're getting there. How? 
on the secret of Jesus was that he lived fully in the love of the Father. He lived in it. It was almost on his mind. Jesus completed the Father's love to him first. This is what I'm getting at. Don't say, well, Lord, here I go to serve people. I remember you saying, I think, that uh, you, uh, that it's your love and so you'll be doing it. Now, that's fine. That's a statement of faith. But you know what? It's better. Go to God first. And if you're living in that love of God, it only takes a few seconds. And so Jesus would complete the Father's love to him first. He would say, see you later, guys. Going to have a chat with my father. It would be his loving gratitude to, to, to the father for that love. When he had actually completed that cycle of love, that's what the scripture means when it says, be ye perfect as God is perfect. His love is complete and perfect. But as far as his creation is concerned, that's us. We can only complete it, which is the same word in the Greek as being perfect. We can only complete it when we give it back to him. I find that the best way to give it back to him is to say, thank you for giving it to me first. Start with that. Thank you for loving me so much. How do I qualify for that, Lord? What have I done? Well, you're a human being, an imperfect one at that. And so you qualify. But it's great that you have faith and know that I love you and are giving me thanks. And then Jesus revealed his father's love to those that he faithfully served that were around him in his world of relationship and involvement. He had one too, like us. His was a little bigger than our world. His was the entire universe from all history back to Adam and all history until he returns. That was his world. And it's still going, of course. And, you know, when you think of it doing the will of your father, it means being obedient, doesn't it? being obedient to the Lord, to obey God. Well, what's the commandment that God said he wants us to obey? Romans 13, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and all your strength, and then your neighbour as yourself. There is such a thing as the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit wants to help us to live in that same love that the Father had for Jesus, which he also has for us. Same quality, same quantity. Through the grace of Jesus, we can first purposefully respond to the Father's love for us. Number one. And that's an act of worshipful thanksgiving. We offer ourselves a living sacrifice to God. And we come into his presence and receive his love. He's always there, whether you feel it or not. And in quietness and confidence, we find our strength in that bread of his loving presence. Do you know in the Old Testament, when the priests went into the tabernacle and they had the bread on the little table and uh, they had to serve at the table, and there were the, the, the loaves of bread, and it was called lechem panim, which means the bread of his face or the bread of his presence. We're having the bread of his presence when we have communion. We come to partake of a food that we did not know about. 
The bread of life, Jesus, is the gift of love to us from the Father. He was the gift of love. And we are his gift to the world, however large or small it might be. We can arrange that communion with the Father purposely. You can have a real purpose about doing that. You can say, I'm going to now have a time where I have communion with the Father and receive his love and begin to give him thanks for it. But doing the goodwill of God for others is something we may not always be able to arrange. Sometimes we want to do something good and they're not there or things just don't work out. That doesn't happen. You go, well, wasn't I in the will of God? Yes, you're in the will of God because your heart's there wanting to do the will of God. Well, prayer is serving others. And that can become the most powerful way of praying by releasing the Father's love and goodwill to all those in our world of relationship and involvement. Just release the love in prayer and know that the Father's will is being done. The opportunity of bearing the burdens of others, which we often find it's not always that easy to arrange, but we always have prayer, always have prayer, tends to land on our doorstep unexpected. I think the Holy Spirit wants us to become more aware of that. How many interruptions did you encounter last week that may have been opportunities to eat the bread of life and be nourished and strengthened? You think, oh, this is a nuisance, this is going on here now. I want to be doing the will of God. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't see it at the time. What about just being there in the presence of God? Saying, oh, Lord, I wonder what you're doing now for this person. He says, well, something, I'm not going to tell you about it, but I'm doing something wonderful. You'll know one day, maybe. But be kind, be good. Be there as me. Jesus can often seem like an interruption to our day, but he comes disguised as our everyday up and down life waiting for us to respond to his heart of good will to other people. Simply a heart of good will. Jesus was ready to give words of life to that unhappy and unfulfilled woman by the well. Probably sat down and thought, what am I doing here? Who's this woman? But he gave her words of life and saw her life transformed. Father's love hit him, which it always would, wouldn't matter who it was. He was always ready because he had a food that his disciples didn't know about. They were off getting the food. And that food is ready for us to live on. It's the energy ready for us to live in. It's the constant, unchanging energy of his love towards us that created all things and that reorders all things according to his will, which he invites us to complete for him and with him wherever we are and wherever we go. His love is there as the reason that you are there. In Jesus' name, amen.